0: Don't wait until you graduate to live your best life. Let's start now. What's up, and welcome to the College Life Podcast. It's Alicia here, and today I am interviewing one of my new friends, Leslie Martin, who is the founder of Class Tracker. And we talk about all things related to getting your life together. And even if you think that you have your life together, there are some amazing strategies that are gonna take your life management to the next level. And who doesn't need more efficiency in their life? I know I do. So I do wanna make sure that you know that Leslie is going to share an offer with us that I'm really excited about. And so you'll hear about that at the end of the episode. Let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the College Life Podcast. It's Alicia here. And today I have with me Leslie Martin, and we are gonna be talking all about how to get yourself organized and be on point this semester and set yourself up for success. So, let's just dive into Leslie. Why don't you share us a, Why don't you share a little bit about what you are working
1: on right now? Great. Thanks uh, Alicia. It's it's a pleasure to be here and um, currently I'm working on a couple things. One is I am making sure that all the students who are ordering planners for my company, Class Tracker, are getting them on time as quickly as possible. So making sure those are going out the door. And I'm also kicking off, I work as an academic coach, so I'm kicking off some meetings with some of my students uh, to make sure that their years are set up perfect, or at least their years are set up um, for some success.
0: I love that. So part of the reason why we connected was because you are developing or you have developed this organizational tool for students. So I'd love to hear more about how how did that come about
1: for you? Sure. I was a high school teacher for many years and I decided that I was going to take a break and see what other opportunities might be out there. And when I took that break, I started looking for a job and while I was looking for a job, I started working with, a, with students as a tutor one-on-one because I needed to make some money. And as I started working with students one-on-one, I realized that in addition to helping them with their subject matter work, you know, helping them through a writing assignment, a lot of what I was doing was helping them to figure out how to manage their time and their schedule for the upcoming week. And so every week when we would meet, I would ask them to take out their planner that their schools given had given them and I noticed pretty quickly that the tool didn't really make a lot of sense for actually doing some planning so I put together a one-page sort of planning sheet that we used on a regular basis and I noticed um, two things one was that my students became much better planners they actually because we were doing this planning work week after week after week that they actually learned how to do it better, which is hard at this time because the way that the brain develops, the part of the brain that is learned, helps you plan The prefrontal cortex is the last piece of the brain to develop. And for many people at 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, that part is not really, let's say fully functioning or functioning as well as it does later on. But the other thing that I realized is it wasn't just the repetition, but it was the tool. And that it was the tool that gave them the structure to think about the plan that helped them to become more successful. So I would felt like even again, I mean, I didn't think I was going to start a company here. I just was tutoring. And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know, this is kind of a pretty effective tool. What if I make this into an actual planner that I sell to schools to help students at their schools plan? And so I put together a prototype and pitched it to the school that I had taught at, that I had left on my leave of absence. And they said, Yes, this is great. And they bought it. And so that was the beginning of the company. I really stumbled into it. But now almost, oh gosh, 15 years or so later, I have now gone from one school to, you know, multiple schools. And I also sell to students individually.
0: That is so Cool. And there's a couple of reasons why that is. First off, I think students um, who are listening right now can really benefit from your story that you started in education and you were a teacher for so long. And then you decided, you know what, I think I'm going to shift. I think I'm going to do something different. And you're still supporting and working in education, but from a different angle. You know, you're still able to like support students, but in a completely different way than you thought.
1: Yeah. And well, and what's interesting is that I want to have as much impact as I possibly can on as many students as I possibly can. And so I've done that in a few ways. One, one is that I sell planners to schools. And so for every school, it's not just one student that I can work with, but ultimately it's, you know, their entire student body. So that's super exciting. So in effect, I've helped tens and of thousands of students in that way. I've also written a couple books about how to manage your time and be successful in school and organize your work. So that's another way that I'm able to to serve students. And then I, because originally I just sold planners to schools, I moved into selling planners to individuals. And now I'm able to serve a whole nother community, specifically of college students who really benefit from this very thoughtful, tool to help them stay on top of their work. So it's about how can I impact as many people as I possibly can positively towards student success.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, yes, exactly. And I think, yeah, just echoing on that, you saw a need and you saw like, hey, I think I might be able to solve this problem or help contribute to the solution of this problem. You were consistently seeing students who weren't necessarily organized in the best ways. And they didn't necessarily have the tools to do it. It's like, we all have the capability to be organized. It's just, we need different tools to actually make that happen. And we need to know what those tools are. And then we have to actually have to imp- like implement them. But you saw a need and then you were like, maybe I can actually like help fulfill this need. And that's really one of the purposes of this podcast is to help students really to see, hey, there are so many problems in the world. How can you be part of the solution in such a small way? But also, maybe it's actually not a small way, you know, like you, you probably started this thinking, okay, I'm going to help a few students, right? Or I'm going to use, you know, like at least create this thing that I know is needed in the world. And now more more and more students are using it right? And that's such a cool thing to see. So if you're listening to this right now and you're seeing some problems, which we have plenty of them, this is a perfect example of how to do, uh, how to be part of the solution instead of just talking about the problem.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, I
0: concur. I concur. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you talked about also, um, you've learned a lot about what helps students kind of stay organized and manage their time better and stay focused. Uh, What are some strategies that you would share with students that would help them do this better?
1: Sure. So, you know, I think that one of the, I sort of think about student success in three, in three, there's three things that make students successful. One is that they have a very clear idea of everything they need to accomplish and by when. So they have a very uh, solid to-do list that has due dates associated with it. And that to-do list isn't just I need to turn in my math assignment, but it's like I need to go to the doctor's, or I need to make sure that I, you know, um, take care of myself. It's a comprehensive list that is not. It's it's both personal and academic. That's one important thing. The other important, the second important thing, is to then have a plan for how and when they will accomplish all of those things. A list is not a plan and so it's important to convert it, right? But you also can't have a plan without a list. So those two are very, very connected. And the third thing which seems really sort of obvious and simple but sometimes gets left off is there needs to be a conclusion of that execution. So you have to turn the work in in the way it needs to be turned in by the date it needs to be turned in so there's not enough to just know what you need to do and have a plan and do it but you actually have to turn it in and i think what's been particularly interesting both for high school and for college with this transition to distance learning is that last step of turning it in sometimes gets jarbled because or garbled i should say because where you used to maybe physically hand something in that physical handing in and that is now some electronic version and that electronic version can be a lot of different things. And so knowing that piece and making sure you've done it is really important as well. So those I would say are sort of the top three things to keep students really sort of on task and successful.
0: And what do you think gets in the way of students doing those things?
1: Yeah, so I think that sometimes students, there's a couple things. When we talk about step one, the list, I think a lot of times students think that they can keep everything in their head. Oh, I don't need to figure it out. I don't need to write it down. I've got it down in my head, or it's in my syllabus, or but the thing about keeping everything in your head is it's actually can create more stress and lead to procrastination. The reason it can create more stress is that a student, because you don't actually write it down and see it in front of you, can have a misinterpretation about what actually needs to be accomplished. And so it can either make it look much, much bigger than it is or feel much bigger than it is because it's in your head or feel much smaller. And so that means that you are kind of stressing about something that if you laid it out on paper, you'd be like, oh, it's actually not that big of a deal. Conversely, if you don't write it down and you don't have a clear idea about what you have to do, you think you might have way more time than you actually do, which leads to procrastination. And so those two things, I think can get in the way of success of just not creating a comprehensive list. And then finally, this notion of keeping it in your head, is such a waste of brain power. I mean, we have only, well, we have a limited amount of space in our heads to remember things. And as you, as a student, your focus should be on learning your material. To be on what do I need to learn for my classes, to be successful in my classes, not what do I need to remember to do for those classes. So as much as you can take that information out of your head and put it somewhere else that you can refer to later and not have to mem- remember, you're actually making more space in your brain for more important things.
0: Yeah. And we all know we have so much in our lives like happening, like we don't need to fill it with like a to-do list in our brain, like get no. it out. Yeah. Yes. I love, Oh my gosh, a couple things that you said. Um, so first off, I love that you talked about like a list is not a plan. Like that is so clear to me, a list and a plan are two different things. And when they're combined, they could really help like elevate what you actually accomplish, but they're separate. So I love that distinction. And then I think too, I really liked what you talked about with when we have things in our head, we have to get them out because we usually underestimate or overestimate whatever that thing is. So thinking about like, oh, this is a huge project. It's going to take so long. So I'm going to like avoid it because I don't actually know what the steps are that I need to take in order to do that thing. Or, oh, that's probably going to be super easy and simple. I don't need to worry about it. I'm going to procrastinate and wait until like, it comes, the due date comes closer. Well, now actually that actually is going to take a little bit more time than I was expecting. So I think we make up this stuff in our head. And again, that's a more brain power that we're using as well. And then the stress as well. I, I was just um, doing a presentation and, and studying kind of stress and productivity and how, when we become more stressed for we can be productive up to a certain point, but then there's this um, space where it's like delusional, where we think we're more productive, but we're not at all. And so we're not putting our best forth or our best effort forth because we're too stressed and we're not actually productive, even though we think that when we wait until last minute, we're more productive
1: for some reason. <laughs> Have you heard that before with students? Like, yes, absolutely, <laughs> <Yeah>. absolutely. <laughs> well, the other thing that I think is very interesting now. Um, in terms of contributing to sort of successful time management and planning, is that so much more of what we do is now on our computers. And so I think that what happens is that, and they're not always in one place. So this is why I am a huge proponent, proponent of using a planner, is that when you start school now there is the school i'll just use the word portal for for the sake of argument or the learning management system but where it is that you quote unquote go to school and so you can't just go to one page one website and everything is consolidated there it's just not because it's either in a syllabus, or it's on, a, you know, a site for the class, or there's maybe an email that your professor wrote to you and said, "Actually, change this. I'm going to adjust this," and so the challenge is that if you don't consolidate the information into one place, you actually spend a huge amount of time looking for everything. And so you don't actually know what you have to do because you're like, well, okay, I think I have something for English, but you have to go to 19 different places to look for it. And so I'm a huge fan of like, put it all in one place, see it all in one place, and then make yourself a plan in that same place. So you can sort of reverse engineer, like if this is due on Thursday, I need to start this on Tuesday. But that way you can see it. And so I think that like while technology is amazing and it's doing so much and it's saving us right now, if we didn't have technology, this pandemic would be truly a disaster for education. But it is also overwhelming. And how do we take that overwhelm and focus it into one place that is, clear and less distracting so that is to me something that is a real argument for the simplification of putting something on paper
0: yes this is so relevant right now because we're hearing also that students are having a hard time finding where their assignments are like it is so real it is so hard um i i am teaching a class this semester so i'm trying to kind of think through okay what's what would help me as a student but then also having it in different formats but then i'm also kind of thinking is that overwhelming for students to have it in a course schedule and it's in like you said that learning management system system we use canvas or blackboard and and so you know it's in the calendar there but not all their assignments are in the calendar for every class right professors are using it so differently and this is so timely because if you are listening to this in the early semester of fall, or really any early semester, this could be really helpful. But this is a one way that you can set yourself up for success. Literally write down everything in one place. And I I am so biased towards paper. So I'm curious with your thoughts. It sounds like you are as well. But it's hard to kind of challenge students to think about using a planner in a written format because it is hard to kind of keep up with you have to carry it around everywhere but right now you don't so maybe it could actually be a really good time for you to start using a paper planner because you have it in your same space all the time like you're not really unless you're in person a lot but even then like carrying your planner and and your work, like where you're working at your desk or whatever it is like having that planner out physically and getting used to using a resource like that I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about like computer versus paper?
1: <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, here's what I'll say is no matter what, if you have a system that works whether it's paper or electronic, I don't
0: care. So true. <laughs> as long as
1: you have a system that works and you use it on a daily basis. So if it's your if you use a combination of a to-do app and a calendar on your on your computer, that's fine. That said, um, I'm partial to paper because I think that paper is actually less distracting. And I've noticed this certainly for myself, Mm -hmm. and I've talked about it with lots of people and a lot of my clients, is that the moment you go to your computer, it's really easy to lose track of what you actually went there for in the first place. And so what's nice about paper is it's a very great place to recenter yourself. Because we notice, like you'll start and you'll be like, duh, 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 duh. I came here to check on my schedule. And oh gosh, look, I just got a text or I got an email. And all of a sudden you're down a rabbit hole for something else. And you realize like, wait, what did I come here for? And that's where paper is really helpful because you can go back to your list. It's not going to, send you any alerts or nothing's going to pop up it's just going to show you in front of you like okay these are the things that i want to do now i use both paper and electronic. so i use a google calendar because i need to schedule my time that way but that's because i'm within meetings with lots of different people and so i have to have something that's more joint but i also use and i also use my electronical calendar calendar to schedule my time because I do sit in front of my computer. Like I'll schedule my to do's on my, on my Google calendar, but I always have that paper pal- calendar. I'm sorry, my paper planner notebook in front of me to keep me grounded in what it is I should be focusing on in the moment. And so again, I don't really care. I just think everyone needs a system. And I think people think that computers are easier, faster, quicker, but if you actually were to time, like writing down a to-do list versus typing one in or copying and pasting from 17 different places, you might find it's actually faster to do it on paper. Yeah, I love that. And
0: I really appreciate that that nuance. And I think it's one thing that I try to harp on with this podcast is that as a student, you have to figure out what works for you and you have to be open to trying different things and knowing what does work for you? Like for me, I love paper. So I'm going to use a planner and that actually does work for me. I'm more likely to accomplish things when I write them down in my planner and it helps me see the bigger picture of things. Um, But it is figuring out what works for you and trying different strategies. I would say that one thing that I would encourage you to do this semester is think about what would happen if, how would you know that this wasn't working for you? You know, and for me, like I think, Oh, if I missed an assignment or I forgot about that thing or I just realized that I had a lot of things coming up next week and I'm kind of starting to stress about it those are some indicators right so some flags that maybe the system that you have right now is not working and one of the things that I encourage every student to do at the beginning of the semester is put down all of anything that's graded put it all in one place whether it be like you said a computer or a planner Um, I like write it down all in one place so you can see the bigger picture of the semester because then you're able to see like the ebbs and flows of the semester too, where you have lighter weeks and then you have heavier weeks and then you can kind of create your to-do list based on that picture. But if you don't have that picture, it's hard to create
1: a to-do list too. (laughs) So yes. And I think you, you know, your point about the bigger picture, it is helpful. So, um, the, the class tracker planner, the ultimate student planner, we have monthly planning pages and weekly planning pages. And those monthly pages are for exactly what you said. You dump out everything, those big important due dates. And then you can see in advance, like holy schmoly, I have three midterms in the same week and two papers due. And you can see the weeks that are gonna be super busy so that a couple weeks in advance of that, you can start working on a few of those things that you can start working on that, are, that, that merit working on in advance so that you're not crushed in a certain week. And so that's super important. And then you can use the weekly pages to kind of do the nuance and the more detailed planning. But I think that a lot of people don't take the time to see the big picture like you were mentioning. And so it becomes a surprise. And then they're all of a sudden like, oh, my gosh, I have so many things done and it's too late. You end up like not getting sleep, which is so important and helps you learn and helps you both, you know, absorb new information and also to be able to recall more information. So if you're not sleeping, then you're actually, you know, all that effort you put in is not going anywhere or it's not going in the right direction because you haven't slept well. So super important to get that big picture.
0: Yes, yes. Um, So I want to kind of switch directions a little bit to talk more about focus, because you mentioned focus, especially when it comes to the computer and how distracting that can be. I literally, this happened to me last night where I went to go like ask a question in Google or something. And then I was like, what was my question again? Because I got distracted as soon as I opened up the, you know, like from a news article or some kind of thing that popped up. So It's so real. And that's just, I mean, computer is another thing, and then just focus on assignments and homework, et cetera. But yeah, what tips or strategies do you have for improving our focus as
1: students and humans? Yes, absolutely. So the first thing that we have to understand is the brain is wired for single tasking, not multitasking. And so I know what? Are you kidding me? Um, and I know that the youth today are firm believers that they're great multitaskers. But here's what's going on. The truth is, is that you can do two things at the same time. They just can't be cognitively complex. So you can wash the dishes and have a conversation with someone because washing the dishes doesn't require any brain processing power. However, if you are trying to process two pieces of information at the same time, i.e watch TV and write a paper, your brain is constantly switching back and forth from those two mediums. And you can't actually make progress on that cognition in one without being distracted from the other. So there's a, they they call it, there's like a cost to switching basically. So anytime you look to the TV, you distract yourself, from what you were doing. And then the time, there's actually, I think it's, I'm gonna make this up and I'm gonna be wrong, but I do think it's some crazy number, like you end up spending 40% more time on your work because you've looked away and you've come back and the time that it takes your brain to refocus on what you were doing is significant. So that's one thing, is the brain is not built for multitasking. So, and the other thing, is that there's a great um book by adam ghazali who is a neurologist out of ucsf who wrote about how our brains we have these like ancient brains and so and they are a little bit wired we have to be aware of how they're wired because what happens is that we can be easily distracted by the shiny ball and now things like our phones are those shiny balls. And if we're not really aware, right? Anything that's on your phone is probably far more interesting and fun than what you're trying to do in front of you. And so if you don't, if you're not being disciplined and thoughtful about what is distracting, your brain is going to be distracted. So it's, again, you can't, we're not built to multitask. And we're also, also our brains are a little bit prone to distraction. So given those two things, what do we do? I recommend that when you work, that you set yourself up in a distraction-free zone. And so what that means is that you turn your phone on airplane mode and do not disturb. I have mine on both right now because you don't want anything ringing. You don't want any notifications coming up. And you... um So you set yourself up in a a distraction-free zone, and then you work for a a, a specified amount of time, and then you take a break. So there's a technique called the Pomodoro Technique, which is really, really effective. And what it says is that you work for 25 minutes in a distraction-free zone, and then you take a five-minute break. And you can literally be mid-sentence in what you're writing, and you stop. Drop your pencil, your pen, you've let your fingers off the keyboard, and you take a five minute break. And the reason that you need to do this is your brain is a muscle. And just as I can't do a hundred push-ups at once. If you let me do 10 and take a break and do 10 more and take another break, ultimately I can do a hundred push-ups. but we have to give our brain a little time to recover. And what what I think happens for a lot of our students or a lot of students is they do these intensive study sessions. Like I'm going to sit and I'm going to do work for two hours and you don't take any breaks. And at the end you're kind of exhausted and your brain is just kind of like you were saying, there's this sort of certain amount of time where you're, you're delusional your brain you're not working as effectively as as you think you are so if you can take these intermediary breaks you're going to be way way more effective and so again it's 25 minutes on 5 minutes off 25 on 5 off and you can do that for about 2 hours and then maybe you take a 15 minute break now in that 5 minute break it is also a technology free break you don't get to like go on and check your accounts because that will then distract you. So then it's a great time to get some water, walk around, do some jumping jacks. If you're home and you have a pet, you like love up your pet, which is my favorite thing to do. Or what I think is the probably the best thing to do is do three minutes of breathing. Get some mindfulness in there. Get your Brain relaxed. And in that five minutes, you will come back more refreshed. And I promise you, the thing that you left off that you thought, I can't possibly stop this at this moment, will be fine to pick right back up. So there's one other thing that I want to say because I go on forever about this, but that is also we have a tendency when we're on our computers to have way too many tabs open and i think that this can be both distracting and time consuming so when you start to do any assignment i recommend that you start from fresh open up just what you need on your computer so that you don't have to like switch between you know 30 different tabs that you can't even see what it is again waste of time and For the record, having all those tabs open actually can slow your computer down. So it's not very efficient for your computer. So that's another thing that I think leads to sort of distractibility, because some of those open tabs maybe are things that are more fun to look at than what you are actually doing. And so they could be tempting to move towards.
0: Yeah. And they're also extra distractions, right? (laughs) Because now you're, if you do have to switch from tab to tab for a, Something that you're doing for school, then all of a sudden you've also got these other 18 different tabs open that are, yeah, like you exactly. just said, more attractive. Yeah, I love that. Oh, that's so good. And I think too, um, one thing that one of my friends told me she read in a self-help book. So this isn't research-based, but is to put um, anything that is distracting to you at least 20 seconds away from you. So if your phone is distracting make it 20 seconds away. So you have to get up. It, it takes you 20 seconds to get to, and then you're less likely to actually go do that thing or like go get that thing because it'll take you more than 20 seconds for some reason. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no,
1: absolutely. I think that's a brilliant idea. I mean, I think that a lot of, you know, students who, uh, who put their phone in a different room, it's, it's way better. <laughs> it's just way, way better because they're, they're just, it's too tempting. I mean, I I fall prey to exactly the same thing. So if you can put it away from sight in 20 seconds, I love that. That's a great that's a great idea. So I yeah,
0: it's so basic and simple.
1: But why don't we do that? I don't know. hmm. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Um, I think too. I I recently learned about like um kind of it's it's a little bit different than Pomodoro, and it's um called the flow technique. Of if you are in flow, it's okay to stay in that, but being intentional about still taking breaks and like mind breaks. And so maybe it doesn't mean that you have to stop at that 25 minute mark. If you are really in flow and you're really engaged, like I know for me, if I'm in focus, sometimes it takes me like 20 minutes to get into focus for my like papers. But for me, I could probably write for two hours, but then my back hurts. Like I I mean, I can feel it in my body. So I'm not necessarily recommending that. Um, but I'm just like, go, 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 go. And I feel so in it. But I think that in the longer, in the longer term, I probably would be able to stay writing a paper for like four hours. If I was taking smaller breaks instead of just like a two hour block, if that makes sense of just studying. So I think you have to play around with this and see what does work for you. Um, but I know for me specifically for paper writing, at least the first one needs to be a little bit longer so I can at least get into the, like what I'm doing and kind of in the flow of writing personally, but again, play around with this. And these are just tools and techniques and strategies that you can use to pull from and then try them out for yourself and see if they work, but you have to give them like a wholehearted effort too. you can't just kind of do it a little bit. And then you're like, that doesn't work for me. You got to, you know, and only you know that, but I know you, I hear you and I see you. And I know that sometimes you're not given that full effort. So you have to give full effort to new strategies in order to actually see if they work for you.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And you're right. It doesn't have to be 25 minutes. It could be 20, it could be 30, it could be 45. You know, I think find the right amount of time. Um, The other thing that is also interesting about this technique is that it's a great way to beat procrastination and here's why is that oftentimes people procrastinate things because they it's a perception it's a fear of pain like they perceive that what it is that they have to do is going to be painful and most of the time when you started, it's actually not as painful as you perceive it. So, you know, if you go to a yoga class, they'll say the hardest part of getting to the class is actually walking in the door and setting up your mat and that it's not actually the class itself. So the same could be said for your schoolwork. Well, what's interesting about the Pomodoro method is you can kind of trick yourself. You can say like, look, just spend 20 minutes on it or 25 minutes, like just start this for 25 minutes and what you'll find is that 25 minutes doesn't seem long to anyone it's like a a, a short show and so you're like I can do 25 minutes sure yeah I can do that and then what you find is like you were saying is that you get your start like that you needed the 20 minutes to get started but once you're in it then you can actually start moving in it and so I think that it's an incredible technique if you're struggling to start something is like just do a pomodoro and see if it kicks you into gear yeah I love that
0: it's so good and this is another self-help related strategy that's so basic for starting too but I found out to be really helpful sometimes when I'm trying to get out of bed or and if I'm in the middle of a hard workout and I'm like taking a breath and I'm like okay and then I say five, four, three, two, one, and it's like a launch. And, and some mm-hmm. some for some reason we kind of associate it with that. So I don't know if you've heard of Mel Robbins, um, the five second rule, um, but that's just, that's it. So if you are having a hard time, even just getting started on that and you have your 25 minutes set on your phone and then you're going to put it away, you know, or whatever it is, um, is to like... Do five, four, three, two, one. Hit start. Go. You know, and and just to get yourself started. But I know that's really hard for some of us. It,
1: it's a great. I love that. I think that that's super simple, and I, yeah. I'm going to try that myself. I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> exactly. And there's one more final thing I have about focus, and that is for some people, they find that sitting for even 20 minutes is they get distracted and they get distracted by different ideas. And so one of the suggestions that I've made to students is like, if you find that you get distracted and you start thinking about other things, put put a little piece of paper or a notebook or something by you. And when that thought comes into your head, just write it down and then go back to what you're doing. So at least you honor what it is that you feel like is urgent or important in the moment, knowing that it probably doesn't need to happen in that moment. But if you write it down, you can let it go, and then you can go back to what you're doing. And this is a really sort of simple technique, but for some people, distractibility is really real, and they need a place to put that. And so I've found that the work I've done with students, when they do that, they actually are like, okay, yeah, that's my little log, and then you can go back to it later and address all those things.
0: Yes. I I mean, and one of the things that I want to kind of transition into is how this helps with your own life. Like not just, this isn't about your college experience. This is also about your life and how to life better. I don't know if that is a word or concept, but I'm like how to life better. But um, I think even in this podcast episode, it made me think of a uh, another podcast idea. So I had to write it down because otherwise I was going to like keep thinking about it. Cause I didn't want it to go away, you know? So I just wrote it down really quick and then I was able to still stay focused. And so, and that happens all the time. I'll just like have an idea and, I'm like, Oh, I don't want to lose that. So I have to write it down and then I can figure out where to write it later. Like it doesn't have to be in my podcast list of episodes in that direct thing, but it's just a little note to jot down. Um, so this is a practical thing that I do in my life. These are all strategies that we use in our lives to make progress towards our goals. And it helps us live life better too. I don't know if you have anything else to add about how this helps us in our just lives after college too, but.
1: Well, I think that when I, certainly I believe that all these time management, organizational prioritization skills do help you in life, that they're just a primer for it. And that in any job you have, your ability to understand what you need to get done, when you need to get it done by, how you need it to get done and to do it well, is is just, it's critical for success. So yes, it starts in school, but it translates into the real world. And then, you know, learning how to manage one's time and prioritize is also something that's gonna be really critical for work and life. Um, Whether it's your personal life or your, your professional life. So I've always believed, you know, and I say that I try to help people be successful in school and beyond because the and beyond the school piece is just the first step towards and beyond. And I think that there are people who struggle with time management when they're younger and, and continue to struggle with it as they're older. And it's hard. And it doesn't have to be that hard because a lot of this stuff doesn't come naturally. It's things that you can be taught or you can learn on your own. And I think that some people don't realize it and they think, oh, I'm just bad at it or I'm not naturally good at it. But all of this is like, these are just techniques. And I super appreciated what you said about trying things out that you have to try different things and try them for a while and then kind of tweak them to make them yours because nobody no two people are the same. So how one person manages things is going to be slightly different than another, but you just have to find your way, the way that works best for you.
0: Yes. Oh, I love 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 that you said that because we can get better at all these strategies and it is so frustrating and I used to feel that the same way where it's like, "Oh, I'm just bad at this thing." And that is not necessarily true and it's almost not true i would say probably like 98 percent of the time there might be some things but like really most of these things we can all get better at so let's work towards them and try out some of these strategies so let's go ahead and wrap up um where can people find you and how can people get access to your class
1: tracker absolutely so you can find uh, me on Instagram at, at myclasstracker. Uh, you can buy our ultimate student planners at myclasstracker.com. And if people want to reach out and ask me a question, I'd love it. My email is Leslie, L E S L E Y, at classtracker.com. And I um, welcome any questions anybody might have. Awesome. And I will link all of that in the show notes.
0: So if you didn't catch it and you need to just click on it, it would be in the show notes. So thank you so much for being on and sharing your wisdom with us, Leslie. I really appreciated it. And yeah, we're so excited. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you all so much for listening to the college life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you are interested in purchasing a class tracker from Leslie, you can actually get 10% off with her code. Um, And I will link that in the show notes. All you have to do is click on that link and it should be added automatically. But if not, you can always put college life in the checkout as your coupon code and you'll be able to get 10% off. And if you haven't gotten anything to really organize your life, listen, this is it. This is your sign to go ahead and get something that helps you stay organized. And why not try this one? Thank you so much for listening to the College Life Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure that you leave a five-star review. And also, if you have any questions for the podcast that you'd like me to answer on air, you can email me at thecollegelifecoach at gmail.com, or you can send me a message on Instagram at thecollegelifecoach hang in there this semester. I know it's weird, but we're going to get through this and I will catch you in the next episode. Have an excellent week.